This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm your host Neil Murray and once again we are joined by Stefan Bienkowski and James Kearney. How are we doing guys? Very well thank you. How are you, how are you kind of? Yeah not too bad at all. Stefan? Yeah very well. Thoroughly engaged in a World Cup fever right now. I know loving it. Even though you hate it? Even though it's evil? I hate it. It is evil <laughs> but I'm still bloody enjoying it yeah. so I'm is. morally I'm torn I'm in a I'm in a vacuum right now screaming it's so it's so tough I mean if you're not going to hate it in Russia or guitar you're probably never going to hate it yeah. um, back to Scottish football though <laughs> you know so uh, completely morally uh, perfect sport exactly exactly don't know where I was going with that sentence no, that's fine banterful um, you know unicorns and butterflies all that kind of stuff why you drop know? bombs when you can drop banter eh? <laughs> good <laughs> You've definitely stolen that. That was far too good for off the cuff. Uh, we're going to focus on Rangers and Celtic today, uh, particularly their transfer activity. Not that there's been a whole lot at Celtic, but uh, the Stevie G revolution, in quotation marks, uh, is firmly taken off. They're now in Spain uh, with some of the new signings in tow. Uh, we're going to discuss who both sides have brought in, what we think of them, uh, potentially who else might be arriving in Glasgow this summer to sign for it the blue or green side of uh, the old firm. So let's start with Rangers, since there's more to get our teeth into, I would say. Uh, been very, very busy. I guess we'll just throw it out. James, what are your thoughts so far on uh, the business Stephen Gerrard and Mark Allen have conducted in the summer transfer window? Well, they've, they've clearly identified centre-back as a problem area and they've taken you know steps to alleviate that and fix that by bringing in new players which I think is really important to get that in as early as possible because first off yes yeah, it's, it's easily the weakest point in the Rangers squad at the moment um, but also because obviously a lot of defensive organisation comes from practice and training so the earlier you get your new centre-backs in the more organised they're going to be for the upcoming Europa League qualifiers because I'd, I'd imagine that you know, everyone at Rangers will be doing their very best to avoid another embarrassment in, in the qualifying rounds again. So I think it's really important that they've got those two players in, um, by which I mean Goldson and Katic. Uh, presumably that's going to be the Rangers centre-back starting pairing next season. Uh, I, I must confess, I've not really seen much of either of them. Um, although I'd, I think the fact that Katic could have moved to Spartak Moscow, that, that was on the cards for a bit... Uh, I think that's, that's promising, you know, they're a very good team, good standard of players. Uh, so, yeah, I think it looks bright. Um, I think they've still got some work to be done. Uh, I don't think they've got a perfectly balanced squad yet, but uh, I think that, the, I just think, yeah, it's really important that they've got those two centre-backs in, got them in as early as possible, and then that gives them a lot of chance, uh, a little bit more time to focus on the other areas of the squad now, but that was always going to have to be a top priority. Stefan, you agree with that? Good bit of business doing that early in the window? Yeah, I wrote a piece back in, God, what, like February or March or something, kind of just taking note of the fact that Rangers were sticking with Marty to the end of the season. I was saying, well, if they wait till June or May to bring in a coach, then that really limits how off, how long that coach will have to A, figure out where he needs to buy new players, B, buy new players, and then when they arrive, build a squad. And 
like James has just kind of said, despite that, I think they have been very efficient in who they, you know, Steven Gerrard and Gary McAllister and a few of the other guys they brought up from Liverpool have obviously um, identified holes in that team. I don't think they were the most, wasn't really the diff- the most difficult task to find the hole in that Rangers team. It's clear that um, the central back, like, uh, the central defensive positions uh, needed a lot of investment and in Goldston and Katic, I mean, Neil, you could probably say a bit more on this because you did the article looking mm-hmm. at both stats, but in Goldston, they've got a player who obviously, you know, he's Premier League quality, but he hasn't played as much because he had a heart condition. And, but in, in Katic, they have a young player who could go on to be a very good player, I think, and it's quite, it's quite both are still relatively young. I mean, well, Katic is very young, he's 21, but Goldston's still quite young for a setback at 25, so, um, you know, there's plenty of potential there, there's, there's plenty of room for Rangers to work on, and um, on top of that, I've also brought Alan McGregor, and I'm not. I wasn't sure about McGregor because, you know, I've kind of watched him for the national team for the last couple of years, and it's been so so. And you know, I guess at the best of times, I was never sure of him. He's always been a great shot stopper, but he always looked quite limited. Actually, I don't know, but he, he won Player of the Season at Hull last season, so they obviously rate him quite highly, um, and. I guess he brings more to that dressing room than Fodderham probably did. Uh, I was actually something of a Fodderham apologist at times in the season. I didn't think he was as bad as a lot of fans suggested he was. Um, but McGregor brings a pedigree. He brings a, and if, even if it's just not a pedigree, he brings a certain degree of assurance, which I think adds. I think that's such an underrated value for a goalkeeper, where so much of his mental, where you're like, right, God, we can at least trust this guy then half of the tension in the stadium just kind of dissipates, you know. Um, so they've got those three at the back will be solid. Uh, Tavernier is obviously one of the best right-backs in the country. Um, Neil, you did a piece today on, obviously, Lee Wallace and uh, Declan John. We can go into that. Um, but I think across the board, they've done a really good job of identifying holes. The only players I think they really still need to maybe pick one up is a, a backup to Morelos striker. Are you going to say a central midfielder there? No, no, they have 14 billion central midfielders, which we might get into later on about yeah. how that might cause problems, but aside from a backup striker, I think I think Gerrard's done a really good job of identifying the holes in that team. I would 100% agree with uh, getting the business done very quickly. It's something they've maybe not done in terms of, they maybe bought players quickly in the past, but maybe not in the area they needed them. Uh, I did do the article on Katic and Goldson. Uh, I've got to confess, my, my knowledge in Katic is based through uh, the stats and also watching kind of videos online. Same with Goldson. Goldson, um, I know he's very well liked in Brighton. I know it doesn't mean much, but I think they rate him. Even when he was asked to step in in those few Premier League games, he was very dependable. Um, he was very, very decent for them at uh, Championship level when they were chasing promotion. So I think uh, the way he's been described as he's more of a kind of uh, modern centre back where he's good at the ball with his feet, uh, good at the ball with uh, his feet, uh, and he's able to play it from the back uh, as well as having that physical element to his game. Katic, on the other hand, is a bit more raw and rough around the edges, so he's within a kind of middle-of-the-road team in Croatia last season, but his stats for his heading and stuff like that was very, very good, and he was one of the best in the league, even though he was in a kind of poor team. So uh, it, they could, on paper, have quite a good mix of, of experience uh, and youth, uh, and also in terms of the approach of these defenders. So it could be perfect. I'm very wary in terms of... Katic being touted this great thing for Croatia. I remember Carl Svensson came to Rangers when Paul Le Guin was there as the next captain of Sweden and he was utter dross. So uh, I think it was maybe too soon to say anything like that. But 
this might blow up, blow, up, blow up in my face, but this is the kind of thing Rangers should be doing. Celtic do it so well, buy young players and move them on and improve them. Katic, he could be that, that kind of player. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to go for 80 million like a Van Dijk, but it could be a similar model and it's what Rangers should be doing, buying younger and trying to nurture the talent. And uh, I think Scotland could be a good place for him to do it. He seems like if he's got that physical element, he, he could fit into the game here. Uh, just while I'm kind of kind of spouting, I think McGregor, I don't know if I'm in the minority here uh, in terms of this, the media. Most seem to think it's a really good move for Rangers. I, I suppose he is a good keeper. He was Hull's player of the year. Uh, no doubt in McGregor's ability, but he's, what, 36 now? Uh, I'm guessing he'll be getting a pretty hefty pay packet. Mm. Can it be justified that much when Fodderingham, for me, is perfectly good and perfectly serviceable in goals? Uh, I mean, and that's maybe me, me being a bit unfair to Fodderingham. I think he's a good keeper. Uh, I don't think yeah. he was at fault for any of the... Uh, the doings Rangers or the bad performances Rangers were on the Rangers were at the end of last season. So I think to be honest, McGregor's more of a luxury. Uh, King seems to think the money is there, so maybe it is. But I think uh, there's definitely other areas like Stefan maybe alluded to uh, up front, uh, potentially left back as well, where they could uh, could strengthen. Uh, yeah, I mean I'll mention Wallace briefly. I, I know I, I wrote something uh, on whether he's still going to be beneficial to Rangers if he has to come back the door's obviously now been left open by Gerrard whether that was the door is left open to be the first choice left back or he's just going to be as part of the squad rotation an option to provide competition for places is, remains to be seen but looking at his stats he's not particularly better than uh, Declan John he's, he kind of edges him and the way I looked at it I looked at uh, like the 2016-17 season for Wallace because really he didn't have a run of games last season but both attacking and defensively, he's not. He maybe edges John in most metrics, but uh, John's young. He's only going to improve. He's 22 years old. Uh, with Gerrard and the likes of Michael Beale and McAllister there, he's got a coaching team who are quite highly highly regarded. So there's every chance he could go on and improve and be better than Wallace was. There's also the kind of argument that has Wallace reached his peak? Uh, is that the best he's going to be? He's now had a, a couple of different injuries. Um, it might might be time to move on. So. I think they could definitely be looking for somebody who's even better than John and perhaps is more of a kind of um, uh, Tavernier-like player on the left. So they've got that kind of threat down both both channels. And anyway, I'll stop talking now and let one of you talk. But um, Well, the interesting thing about that left-back position is that they obviously signed John in a long permit deal in January, or was it last summer? January was. Was it January? Yeah. So, you know, the club, you know, um, Mark Allen obviously reckons that he's, you know, a long-term future of the club. and. I I think if they if they continue to stick with John and then have Wallace to back up, I think that's fine, you know. Um, I think both pro I think both of them have their faults, and as you I think you're spot on in saying, yeah, Lee Wallace was just as good a few years ago, but still a huge question mark over his injuries, and and on top of that, just the kind of whole nature of this whole bust out. I know it's mostly been Kenny Miller, but you know, it's not to say that everyone's going to be fine once Lee Wallace walks back in the team. Maybe it will, and everyone just kind of get on with it because, you know, they kind of draw a line under it now that Gerrard's here, but um, I think left-back's fine. My real issue is what the hell are they going to do in midfield? You know, I mean, I when they signed uh, Iyaria, I want to call him Iyaria. Uh, I think it's Iyaria, but Iyaria. Honest, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just maybe getting a wee bit over the top myself there, but... Um, he, exactly. Um, he's... Now, now they've got rid of Holt and Halliday left um, over the last week now. Halliday gone, yeah. Yep. And uh, that now means they've got, on my book, from my quick count, they've got seven central midfielders. Um, in Arfield, Ejaria, Dorans, Jack, Rossiter, 
Doherty and McCrory. If we're getting McCrory as a defensive mid, which I think we probably should. Yeah. Um, that's seven players for three positions, and it's not only just that. It's not just like they have like a blend of like experience, youth, blah blah blah. Those are all, those are basically seven players who expect to be playing this season. Even someone like Rossiter, who I know he's had his troubles and he hasn't been coming to the squad, he's still want to push on. You know, mm. they signed Doherty in January. He was meant to be this kind of exciting young player. How's he meant to fit into that team? Um, and presumably. Gerard bringing in Ajaria, a player he knows at Liverpool, um, he's going to want him to play. Now, Arfield can play really just about anywhere in that front line, but I don't really expect him to play in the left wing instead of Murphy. Some people suggest that Murphy then may move to number 10. Well, then where do you play Windass? Can't imagine Candace is going to be chopped off from that right wing spot. So, look, maybe Gerard will just kind of mix and match every week, and then one week Murphy will be playing left wing, and Wendas playing number 10, and then Arfield will be coming in and all sorts, but um, despite the fact that Hull and Halliday have moved on, uh, I still can't envision a situation in which you have guys like Ryan Jack, or Dorans on the bench, or Doherty, or even McCrory, um, I think a lot of Rangers fans would like to see McCrory really properly play this season, because he's actually probably their only real defence midfielder, except for maybe Ryan Jack. Uh, I know he's not technically a defensive midfielder, but he does a lot of defensive work. Um, so, you know, Gerrard has a lot of, has a lot of options there, but I think you know that's just one way of of spinning it. The other, the other way is he's got a lot of players there who are going to demand to be playing football this season, and there's only two, maybe three positions to play every season. Yeah. I think one thing so I think you touched on it earlier is just about actually yeah sort of going further up the pitch mm. where yeah, particularly Morelos doesn't really have any back back uh, back up at the moment the same could be said of Candias as well again like if one of them gets injured or suspended for a significant amount of time there's no one there that can really fit in like yeah you can maybe do Murphy could maybe you know try and play a bit on the right or we you can maybe try and shift Windass out there but we should mention Michael Halloran and Kenny Miller have also both left exactly the so like I think there's a, there's a really real hole in the squad there now and I think that that's, yeah, I'd say, I think, I think, sorry, Rangers probably need a left back, another right winger and another striker. Yeah. And I'd say, I think after that, if they can get those in, I'd say their business is probably done and they've had a good window. Yeah. Um, and just one, one thing I wanted to quickly just say as well about the Katic signing uh, was just that I thought it was really interesting afterwards when he signed. Oh no, obviously he's just signed for the club, so he's wanting to, you know, try and endear himself to the fans, but he's like, oh yeah, and I heard Gerard was interested, yeah, I would have like, you know, ran all the way to Ibrox to sign or whatever it was but it's like we heard a lot about when Gerard was appointed saying like oh you know yeah players are going to want to play, want to play for him they're going to get players that otherwise wouldn't come and at the time I, I didn't really pay much attention to that to be honest I thought that that's not really I, I didn't really think that that was going to be that big an influen- influencing factor mm. but uh, when you read comments like that you sort of think oh, oh actually no yeah like these are players that you know young talent is going to want to come to Rangers to play for Gerard, which is something that I'll be honest I didn't really believe when other people were saying it but now it looks as if it's actually coming true I, I think someone like Goldson's probably a good example of that too I, yeah. I'm trying to be really careful here but I think um, Gerard adds a degree of legitimacy to Rangers that maybe wasn't there for this kind of new generation of Premier League players so you know if you ask anyone in England over a certain age they'll be like oh yeah Celtic Rangers are huge clubs of course they are in their own right but from a kind of player point of view in England's this generation now probably don't view either of them as big because obviously they can't offer the same amount of money. Yeah. But someone like Steven Gerrard can add a degree of legitimacy for young players who are trying to get the way. Like so, 
Um, I think if you, I, I don't think Goldson would have signed last summer. I'll put it that way. Even if they 100%. offered, even if they, even if they offered the same money, transfer wages, I just don't think he'd have signed for Rangers. Now I think they would. And I've been a bit critical of Rangers uh, appointing Stephen Gerrard. You know, I said he's a, he's a risk, blah 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 blah. But I think credit is where it's due, and I think we're only speculating here. We don't really have anything to back up. I think he does add to that. Um, to, to pick up on Morelos as well, I think it's also worth pointing out that. Um, you know, we saw him kind of diminish the second half of the season last year, um, and you know his critics were piling him on for that. But we also forgot that that's because he basically came off the back of playing a full season in Scandinavia, which obviously they played through the summer, straight into the Scottish Premiership where he kept going, uh, and he's had basically he's basically played a full what eighteen months of football without any break at all. Um, and it's miraculous that he hasn't picked up an injury. It really is absolutely miraculous that Rangers, even if his form's dipped, if his goal scoring dipped, he's still been available week in, week out. Um, and I think it's important, and I'll probably pick up on this with Kieran Tierney later on when we stop at Celtic, but it's really important for the club that they don't kind of rest on that and just be like, you'll always play that. Because especially young players, you know, they can really quickly begin to burn out, they get exhausted, and then their head goes because their form's dipped. Um, so even if Morelos is still knocking goals for Rangers, they definitely need someone who can fill in when needed. Jason Cummins, I didn't think really did it that way. Well, I was just about to say that. So I'll go back to the midfield in a second, but sticking with Morelos, I think we've said plenty of times in the podcast, I think some of the criticism was unjustified. Yeah, he went off the boil a wee bit in terms of his goal scoring, but what he contributes to the actual team uh, and his all-round performance is so much more than anything else or anybody else Rangers has. I mean, you only had to look when Cummins started against Celtic on his own. He was he might as well not been there. Um, so they definitely need somebody as a backup to Morelos. Uh, there's, you don't know how much truth is in the rumours for Fenerbahce coming over and particularly want to sign him as well. But where he to go, Rangers are left extremely light up front. Um, didn't have anyone. Well, that's it. Herrera looks like he's on the way out, isn't as well, doesn't yeah. he? So uh, Cummings is definitely not the answer. And I was one of the people when he signed for Rangers. I thought, God, that's he's going to do really, really well there. Um, and. Maybe he needed a, like a bigger run of games. Maybe he needed to be played in a front two. But uh, if we're talking about we need somebody who can act as a like-for-like replacement for Morelos, if they are going to play a similar system with a lone striker, then I'm sorry, Cummins is not that player. Cummins is uh, maybe needs a big man or somebody else is a bit more physical with him up there. Um, so I don't know how much truth is in the rumours. I know apparently a deal is way off in terms of Rangers' valuation of the player isn't anywhere near what Nottingham Forest wants. So I'm interested to see what they do there. In terms of midfielders, man, it's it's a bit of a clusterfuck, isn't it? Like um, to kind of put it, I'll say politely, it wasn't very polite, was it? Um, I wrote something on it was before Holt uh, left, and I don't know if Halliday's definitely left yet. I know he's definitely going to be going because Jetart doesn't want him. Yeah. Um, I was like, is it a damning indictment of all these centre midfielders? And it definitely is, because looking into Ajaria, yeah, he's obviously got lots of potential, yeah, he's a big club, but he's not made any first-team appearances for uh, Liverpool, and his only other experience out with playing for the uh, for the youth teams is Sunderland in the Championship, a team that just got relegated, he played 11 games, and uh, Kit Simmons, the assistant there, came out and says, I'm not going to say he was an amazing player, because he wasn't, he was he was fine, He was, he's a raw talent, he's got definitely got something, he's got that kind of raw skill, he'll try something a bit different, uh, but we've seen it before, like plenty of uh, young, uh, young and established players from England coming up here and failing at Rangers, and it's arguably not a great place if you're a young English player to bleed yourself. On paper, great. Come up to a big club like Rangers or Celtic and get game time in front of a big, uh, a big crowd. That could be great for you going back and great for a club like Liverpool because a player might come back better for it. But it very, very rarely happens. And I think it's a massive sign um, 
or a massive indictment on the likes of Holt and even even the likes of Doherty and that to an extent that um, they would sign someone like that because I, I just find it hard to believe and maybe maybe I'll be completely wrong that he is going to be better than Greg Doherty if Doherty is given the chance and running the team and coached and putting a system properly or uh, and not that he's 100% the same player as Doherty but Apparently he's more of an attacking player as Jaria. Um, he played defensively for England under 21s, but that's not what his, what his position really is. So I think a lot of it depends on what Gerrard plays as well. We don't really know how he's going to set up. So I think the midfield, the best way to describe it is a clusterfuck because I don't see how they're going to line up that centre midfield yet. It could be anything. Like you, you, yeah. It could be absolutely anything. Um, so I found it quite a bizarre signing, if I'm completely honest. Even with Holt and Hallard in the way out, I just found it a bit baffling, to be quite honest. But... Uh, if, that, if you're Graham Dodger now, how are you kind of looking at the squads? You're, you're thinking, right, they've signed a guy in January who's younger, fitter, faster than me. Uh, they've signed a guy in summer who's potentially could be playing my exact position in Scott Arfield, mm-hmm. and they've now brought another younger, fitter, stronger guy on loan. If Dorns is meant to be the attacking midfield kind of playmaker for Rangers or goal scorer, and we get into that number 10 position, then... He's now got, in the last six months, three guys come in who can play his position. I was actually just racking through my brains all the kind of possibilities and I actually forgot about Graham Dorans. No, him. well, that's the thing. And he was he was dreadful last season, there's no doubt about it. That's the thing, so he started... He saw off Carlos Peña, though. <laughs> he's still technically at the club, I think. He's back on loan he again. Is, yeah, know. he's back out on loan. Um, I think he's still in rehab as well, though. But uh, He got out, he's now he he's going to our club, yeah. 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 So. Just, just before we get, we'll have to move on to Celtic, but... Um, with Dorans, I think he started the season. It looked, it looked like he started the season okay, but a lot of the goals he scored were either in the same game or there was a few penalties in there, so his stats were definitely inflated. Then he had the injury, of course, but then he came back and he had a decent run in the team. And I think, although we say you shouldn't define a Rangers player by his performances against Celtic, Dorans were so poor that it was hard to ignore. He completely disappeared. And this is a a, a big name signing, a Premier League start, it's meant to come up and be the game changer that's going to bridge that gap. So he's going to be held to higher standards. And if, if it's me, I would be, I would be more surprised if he was in Gerrard's starting lineup when the likes of Arfield are there. If he's brought in someone young like Azaria, Doherty's there, Jack, they desperately miss Jack. Like you, you are like looking like where does Dorans fit into that team? Because even if it's like a different position where he's playing at the tip, tip of a diamond, there's Players like Murphy, Windass, Ajaria can all do that as well. So I think he's got a massive fight in his hands to him in the squad and he's really only got himself to blame. He can blame Marty Cuccini maybe, but uh, he didn't simply just didn't perform good enough. But anyway, moving on to Celtic where it's been a lot quieter for the time being anyway. Might, uh, when we're recording this podcast, uh, it, might all be, it might all be kicking off. Um, we'll start with uh, Edouard, uh, since Stefan, you've been getting uh, having a lot of conversation with Celtic fan over uh, Edouard on Twitter. Um, worth the money? We don't know where the money is, obviously, but worth the money. Oh yeah, that's well, that's what the point of contention has been actually with a few prominent Celtic bloggers. I'll put it that way, um, because you know some claim that he's, um, you know, anyway, I can't bother getting bogged into it. To be honest, it doesn't really matter what the money is at the end of the day. Celtic have said it's a record fee, so that's what you'll be judged on. Um, and I think he is actually, pro- I think he is worth it actually. Um, he played a largely bit part role in the team last season but I think what he kind of proved when he did play was that he's a fantastic goal scorer um, and you know he's got all the kind of skills to really thrive not only at Celtic but to you know perhaps offer that bridge in the in the Champions League you know he looks at the kind of player who the ideal kind of player that Celtic want to sign that can maybe help them in really crucial Champions League games um, you know, his expected goals per 90 last season was actually joint top with 
Jamie McLaren, Boyd and Griffiths actually, interestingly enough. Um, but his goals per 90 were better than all of them aside McLaren. Obviously McLaren's got a very limited set or limited um, you know, sample because he only, only played half the season. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that in terms of him as a striker, he can be as good as Griffiths and Bailey, if not already at that level, in my opinion, and he's much younger. I think he's got more potential. Another interesting thing I find as well is that he kind of plays the exact same kind of role in the team as Dembele or Sinclair. He likes to play out left to an extent. Even when he plays up front, he dresses out left. Um, maybe Rodgers can kind of, you know, mould him as a left winger. I'm not sure if he will because you don't really, don't break your budget on a striker then turn him into left winger, I suppose, you know, unless they decide to keep Dembele long term. But I think that I think point I'm making is that he can play on the left wing as well, which we'll probably go into saying is a problem area for Celtic this season as well, or going forward. So I think, you know, at his age, um, the pedigree's already shown uh, in Scott in Scottish domestic scene, but also in the Champions League shows that he's easily worth the money, especially in this market. And, you know, if he can continue to do what he did last season, then, you know, in three years, he's going to be worth, like, what, four or five times that, in my opinion. Do you agree? I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, Celtic, they've got the money. Uh, you know, they're making a considerable profit every season, especially with Champions League money going up again this year. Uh, I think that they might as well. Yeah, it gives you an extra option in attack. Gives you something a wee bit different that you can. Uh, if if uh, during a Champions League game, say Sinclair and Bailey aren't having a great game, you know, then all of a sudden you've got Griffiths and Edward. Say so you can bring on the bench. It's a different whole new attack essentially. So. I think it's a great signing. Um, I I think I agree with you in that I, I, I probably see him more as a long term replacement for Sinclair oh, okay. than than Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's as much as Edward being converted to a left winger. I think it's more Sinclair's like almost a, kind of like a striker in the way that he plays. He, you know, it's, it seems like an inside forward. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. So I I would I'd, I could see Edward sort of taking up the inside forward role. But yeah, as you say, he's not an out and out winger. You know. Um, I think he's a really good player. Um, he's a really good sign of intent. I, th- I think I described it in Moscow uh, on Tuesday as you know a landmark moment in Rogers' reign actually in terms of like you know the interesting thing is actually since Rogers has came in the players that he's used have actually kind of are mostly been players that he's inherited aside from obviously like Sinclair for example, but. Um, Edwards just kind of they've blown no, they haven't blown the budget but they spent a huge amount of money on bringing in this young player that Rogers like, right, he's going to clearly build his forward line around to a certain extent. I think even the most optimistic Celtic fan is going to admit, like, okay, Denville's probably not here for long term, but you bring in a guy like Edward, he might be here for long term yeah. because of that, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's a great sign of intent, but the issue for Celtic is that that seems to be the only thing they've interested in doing this summer, and they've got a whole bunch of areas in that squad that also need to fix. Yeah, well, we've talked about that then, since uh, time is of the essence, so to speak. Where do you, you wrote an article, obviously, Stefan, on where you think they need to uh, plug holes, I suppose. And it's it's obviously weird to say that because it's a double-treble winning team, but there are certainly areas of that squad that definitely need a wee kind of refresh or a revamp. And I'm sure the vast majority of Celtic fans would agree. I mean, there's an obvious one. I'll, I'll let you explain. But Yeah, so I think the, the really obvious one's right back, in my opinion. Um, so... It might seem odd because Mikko Lustig is currently playing at the World Cup, um, but... Ah, he's part of the police over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
I, I, you wouldn't want to knock a policeman's hat off in Russia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, um, you know, he's fine, but I don't think you get many Celtic fans who'd, fans who'd be really singing his praises from last season. Um, you know, I wrote that his, his, his lack of pace has kind of quickly begun to engulf his entire game, in my opinion. No, he used to be a really pragmatic, reliable right back, and I think that was fine for Celtic for a long period of time, but, um, you know, they have to move on now. He's definitely getting a little too old. They tried to play him at Sarah back at times and then uh, force the right wing back, which isn't a bad role, but they, they need to upgrade on it, in my opinion. And in Anthony Ralston and Christian Gamboa, I don't think they have two players. Either of them are really there to fit in for that time at all, or to stand up for him at all. So I think they just have to literally go out and find another right back and probably sell at least two of those players. Maybe keep Lustig, maybe keep Ralston. I think Gamboa's definitely has to go. Um, and that's that's the key one for me. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. Uh, I think that's the weakest point in their team. Uh, personally, I think it's maybe time for Lustig to go. I think he's they've had him there for a long time. I just think that defensively, because he's not got that pace anymore, he's not particularly reliable or solid. And then going forward as well, mm-hmm. he's not. His deliveries are his deliveries are generally quite good, but like, I think you could get you could get a sort of tavernier type in who is like you know if if you want to get an attack and right back get an attack and right back mm-hmm. rather than someone who's sort of like a bit of both but not particularly great at either sides of attacking or defending. It's really weird to have a right back for the best team in the league who doesn't really do any attacking. Yeah, I, I, just, I just don't think he's. I think if if you wanted to get a really creative right back in, you could get someone doing it a lot bit more effectively mm-hmm. than Lustig. Uh, and I think that another area that Celtic might want to look at as well is just again the other side at left back just to get some cover for Tierney I mean obviously I don't see Tierney dropping at that team anytime soon because he's just absolutely brilliant but uh, you know they need cover for if, if he gets injured or whatever hmm. you know he, he, last season he played 55 games for club and country the year before that was 40 games that's, like so that's, that's yeah, almost 100 games yeah. for guys what, 20 you forget how young he is that's the thing like he's just he's such a mainstay and like now he just seems so experienced and reliable you do forget how young he is and I think that is you, you do risk burnout I mean um, do you know do you know what um, as I, I didn't really realise I totally just cut you off there Neil by the way sorry just when I was kind of doing, the, doing those numbers putting together that article it kind of dawned on me how much I was kind of worried about Tierney because we've seen it so many times in football where you have this young guy who comes through, he's amazing, and then he does so well between the ages of like 20 and 24 and then he just burns out. And I, I was wondering, you know, um, it's great that obviously he's doing very well and he quite literally is like infallible. There's very little, any issues with his game at all. But I do wonder if Scott Brown's influence is kind of demanding a level of um, commitment that probably isn't fair on the guy. Scott Brown has more minutes last season in Scottish Premiership than anyone, right? The guy just is omnipresent, you know, he's always there. Um, he's obviously such a huge role in that Celtic team. He's just a, he's just a constant. Do you mean like he's kind of setting a bar that other players might want to follow? Not that he's forced them to No, he, yeah, that's a, he's, he's setting a bar that Tierney probably feels obliged to follow, yeah. which isn't fair because of a different part of his career. You know, if, if you know, when when guys are like in their later in their late twenties, uh, early thirties, someone like Brown who's obviously proven to himself that he can continue playing at that level and he's done a really good job of that. But a young player that age you have to wonder, you know, for tyranny, um, whether that's going to have long term detrimental effect on him. And 
it's really weird. It's and it's the same thing as we're saying about Morelos. It's really weird that Celtic don't have a single backup left back when he fits in. There might be some young players actually, some who fans can maybe point out, but they really need to bring in someone who not saying bring in, you know, spend, you know, twelve million pounds on a left back as good as Kieran Tierney. I'm just saying bring in I don't know who, maybe like a half decent premiership fullback who can play in the league games, cup games and stuff, and just give Tierney some time off from time to time. Yeah, even if it's just like league cup games or something, but yeah, as I say, just don't want to risk burnout, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it as well, he's going to be playing for Scotland as well. There's at least six Scotland games before the end of the season as well, or before the end of the year. So that's my that's 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 not as drastic as right back. I think that's an interesting one as well. Um, and the other two as well, I think I pulled up are both flanks actually, and they're they're kind of opposite. So the right back's a real problem. The left back's not so much a problem. But left wing's a huge problem, I think, and right wing's not as big a problem. But um, the kind of way I looked at it was that for the left wing was that um, Rogers kind of has three options but no clear solutions there. You know, he's got Scott Sinclair who was good once upon a time. He was still fine last season, but he's obviously dropping off. And you know, you might you could you could certainly argue his stats are still tremendous, but what you can't argue is that Rogers dropped him for both Zenit games. Didn't play him in the old farm games at the end of the season. He clearly doesn't think he's the same match winner as he was before. I know, like uh, the, the, these the players I'm about to mention, perhaps aren't the players that would be able to further them yet in Europe. But I would love to see like uh, Ryan Christie or Lewis Morgan giving a wee go yeah, that's out there. Too, Lewis Morgan, in particular, I know it was in friendlies in South America, but when he did come on for Scotland, I think mm. it was in the Peru game. He looked one of the best things about it. He totally lit up and didn't really seem. And I know I know it's such a small sample, but I would really like to see him be given a chance. And I know performing for St Mirren is nowhere near the same as performing for Celtic. It's like chalk and cheese. But I would like to see him at least be given some games domestically. And who knows? Maybe he can surprise. Not that I'm saying that he is the long-term solution for for this season, at least. But um, yeah, I, I think both Christie and Morgan will get a decent amount of game time this season at Celtic. Uh, just, just because I think that. Christie's probably there to replace Roberts, who's now moved away back on the it's loans ended. And then I'd imagine that Morgan's there to replace uh, Miss Onda, mm-hmm. again, his terrible loans now been terminated. So I could see yeah, them starting with Sinclair and Forrest, and then if one of them has either an injury or a dip in form, then I could either see Morgan coming in on the left or Christie coming in on the right. The issue I have with that is, and maybe I was being a bit harsh when I kind of came to this conclusion, was that Absolutely, Morgan's a young player there. He's brought in to be a star, and we all hope he will be. Same with Christie. Same with I'm less optimistic about Christie at this stage, to be honest with you, because he did. He was quite hot and cold at Aberdeen, uh, and you have to basically be hitting all cylinders at Aberdeen to be a yeah. performing at Celtic. And Johnny Hayes did that, and he still didn't. Yeah. Well, Johnny Hayes is an, a hot, he's an, he's another one, but this is the thing. You know, it's all well and good saying, yeah, Lewis Morgan, Ryan Christie would be great when they come up against, you know, Hearts or St Johnston, but in the real crunch games in the qualifying for the Europa League, which we just, or the Champions League rather, which we just seen today, against the like of like Rosenberg, they can't really start Lewis Morgan or Ryan Christie. Brendan Rodgers can't really do that. I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, he could, and maybe he should, but I don't think Celtic season ticket holders are going to be too happy if that's who Rodgers has decided to rely upon to get them into the Champions League, you know. And yes, it'd be unfair to expect them to provide the match-winning moment. Exactly. So um, the point I basically made was that, uh, now this is me kind of going on to the right wing, James Morgan, James Force had a great season. He's definitely a Celtics right winger. He's a great player. But um, I don't think 
Christie offers the immediate talent that a James Roberts did last season. I don't think Roberts actually had a great season by any means, but he still offered uh, an immediate option. He, he had that... Um, the competition for places, at least, Jimmy. Yeah. Roberts, Rogers knew what he was getting from Roberts when he threw him on in a game like that. You can't expect the same of Christie or Morgan. So that's fair. Yeah. So 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 not only does I don't I think I think Christie and Morgan are fine backups, but they, they, the the real question is whether Rogers is going to stick with Sinclair as his first choice left winger, which last season towards the end of last season suggested he wouldn't. Now it's up to him where he thinks right. He's had a, he's had a summer off. He'll be back to his best, or do we need to go find another left winger? I've got a couple more just points about Celtic. Uh, I'd quite like to get your thoughts on. So goalkeeper the same Bain. Good backup for for Gordon. Yeah, I think Gordon's fine for Celtic. I think the uh, Bain's not probably far behind Gordon in terms of his ability. I think as long as he's happy uh-huh. to only maybe play cup games or whatever, then aye, fine. The other one is obviously the the other main transfer rumor coming out of Celtic isn't uh, who they're bringing in; it's who could be leaving. So Stuart Armstrong, we had it last summer. The kind of whole contract saga it was kind of briefly. Uh, resolved, but now we're kind of. It feels like a bit like deja vu. He, it, it looks like there's a quite a good chance he'll, he'll be on the way out. Would they miss him if he left? Is the is the question. They, they do have options in the centre midfield. Like, would they would they miss him? I think they probably need to bring in a replacement. Like, but not necessarily someone who's going to play as much game time. They could bring in a young, a, a very young central midfielder because they've already got you know in Cham. Brown, McGregor, like uh, Rogic, you know, there's plenty of players that can already slot in there. And obviously, it's a busy area of the park for Celtic. But I think, it, in terms of like the overall balance of the squad, they could probably use another central midfielder if Armstrong was to go. Yeah. But maybe not one that's necessarily going to play them at a game time that Armstrong would expect to play. Yeah, I think Armstrong's role's actually already been filled, actually. I think they've already replaced him, essentially, in the squad, to be honest. I go as far as to say that in the sense that they've got McGregor and Rogic who play his roles, basically. Um, I think there were maybe some worries last season, you know, right, what happens if Armstrong leaves, but the kind of emergence of McGregor in the last 12 months, the fact that Rogic has now signed a new, what, five-year deal, they've now got two superb attack midfielders slash number 10s who I think will do well and you're right, yeah, and then if they were to bring in a young midfielder who doesn't expect to play that much, then that's fine because between McGregor, Rogic, Incham and Scott Brown, they've got four superb centre midfielders. Yeah. So um, I think, I think another thing is we actually did a piece on Armstrong, whether they would miss him, and one thing that really stood out for me was that I kind of broke down, you know, big games and lesser, big ga- lesser games. Um, and who scores what and last season Armstrong scored only 18% of his goals or assists in big games um, Tom Rogic got 52% of his goals and assists in big games and McGregor uh, yeah probably <laughs> and then McGregor got 55% so basically um, the rate at which McGregor and Rogic are performing in big games is at least twice as much as Armstrong you know and they and actually you might have some fans now saying, well, hold on, Armstrong didn't play that much this season. Even last season, both were getting better records than Armstrong. So I think, in my opinion, McGregor and Rogic are actually probably better players at this stage. They're much better. They're more reliable in the big games as well. So I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think Armstrong would actually be a huge miss for Celtic if he left this summer. Anything to add to that? No. no. <laughs> should, should we talk about Dembele? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much truth is in the Borussia Dortmund rumours, but... 
Yeah, I mean, maybe we should, I suppose. Well, we don't, we don't have to specify any specific transfers. I think, well, just going on the transfers, actually, on the, on the Dembele thing and just in general, the thing that's really kind of surprising me right now is that we've not really seen anyone really strongly linked to Celtic. I don't mean like the kind of whispery comments you get in back pages and stuff, which might not be based on very much, but you do, there's there's usually like transfer rumours and there's like transfer rumours where yeah. there's like, there's there's a guy who's been linked to the club for the last two months and then the players are just basically going day to day, waiting for it to go over the line. We haven't really seen any of that this season. Um, Celtic play their first Europa League tie, we found out today, in three weeks time, you know, and they still don't, I mean, okay, they probably aren't expecting Dembele to go uh, if he does, right, they have Edward, but the, the, the positions in the squad we just talked about there's a lot of rules if Celtic are basically lining up next season with still having Lustig on the right wing or right back and Sinclair still on the left wing um, and then maybe Armstrong's gone and you know Keane Tierney still's on the back and I think you said as well it's also trying to like instill a system into your squad in these players for these qualifiers as well um, I mean the Champions League qualifiers are notoriously difficult and it seems every season Scottish teams or Celtic sorry will have to play more so I think yeah it's important in terms of having yeah the squad in place, that's obviously the key point. But you need these players there and knowing your system and knowing how Rodgers wants to play, because the, the games become very difficult. I mean, I think there's a good chance that Celtic are going to get Rosenberg, by the looks of things, in that second qualifying round if they get through. I mean, they might not be doing as well as they were previously in Norway, but they're still going to be bloody difficult. And if you get any kind of weak spot, um, it will be exploited. Uh, bottom line, it might not be tested as much domestically, but you can bet your bottom dollar it will be um, a European level. And particularly with the, in the case of Rosenborg as well, it gets said every year. But um, you know, Scandinavian teams halfway through their season, they're fit. You know, they're ready. So you do really need to be like on your game on the day, because uh, otherwise it's a huge potential banana skin. Well, I think we'll leave it there then. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, just the usual end to the podcast. First of all, lots going on on the site this week. We have, uh, well, I wrote something on Lee Wallace, whether he is still beneficial to Rangers, if he's fit and if he returns. Lots of ifs there. Uh, Celtic, you've, as we were referencing there, we've got Stefan's uh, general review of what Celtic need to do and kind of fill the holes in this side. Uh, prior to the season starting in a few weeks' time. Uh, Duncan Mackay has done a two-year managerial review of Neil Lennon at Hibs, uh, which I'd urge you to check out. Uh, Duncan's obviously a big Hibs fan, so it's an interesting read. Uh, we've also got a couple of uh, just kind of all-encompassing features for uh, the Scottish Premiership. So we've got uh, the best, it was you that wrote this, James, wasn't it? The best transfer policy to have if you're a Scottish Premiership club, so whether it's better to continuously delve into the transfer market or to slowly build a squad and develop them over a few seasons. Uh, we also have um, a look at who got the toughest start, so we use data to look at after, after the fixtures came out who has the toughest start to the Scottish Premier, uh, Premiership season, the Premier League there. Uh, and we also have later in the week, uh, one for the St Johnston fans, Stevie Greve will be doing a re managerial review of Tommy Wright's five years at the club as well. So plenty to look out for, there'll be much more as well, uh, just the usual, head over to Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at the 2.1 to keep up to date with what we're doing. You can find out more about all our subscription uh, plans on the website, the2.1.com and also head over to iTunes uh, to leave a comment or to give us a review of the 2.1 cast, that would be great. All reviews are uh, much appreciated, but until then, we'll be back next week with another episode of the 2.1 cast. <laughs>